0: Well, because I believe that this is always a matter of spiritual warfare. When I expose the enemy, when I expose the strategies of darkness, at the same time, like it or not, I am praying, Father, let those hidden strongholds in people's lives be uncovered, not by others, but by themselves, so that they will see the strong man that has vexed them and control them and harass them so that they could start to step out of bondage and into freedom. And I believe today's message is really going to uncover one of those things that are demonic strongholds, uh, generally something that affects all of us. So I'm going to ask you to stand and I'm going to ask the band if we could just sing... uh, There's power in the name of Jesus to break every chain, break every chain. This is as much a part of my sermon as anything else. I don't preach to give information. I preach to bring information and then bring the power of that information so that the captives can be set free. Every one of us have been bruised in life. You can't live but a short time in life and not go through some form of injury, bruising. Jesus said, I've come to bind up the brokenhearted. I don't believe that's just religious talk. I don't believe that's those are just religious expressions. I believe at the core of each and every one of us is an emotional being and it gets wounded, gets broken. And the enemy knows how we were put together and he comes to destroy. He comes to deconstruct what God had purposed in our lives. I believe Jesus Christ came destroy the works of the evil one and in destroying the works of the evil one he has come to set the captives free can i get an amen he is our deliverer he's our hope he's our joy what i love about jesus is no one understands me better than jesus christ no one understands me better than god the father and isn't it typical that the enemy of your soul is going to make the image of God the very image you want to run from when you're broken the most. The image of Jesus is the person you want to avoid the most when you need him the most because the enemy knows the nature of God and the nature of Christ. And so he will misrepresent them so that when we're hurting, that's what we avoid because the devil knows that if we run to him, him, He, being the Savior of our souls, knows how to heal, restore, and bring back together again. Amen. Join me in preparation for what God's going to do in your life. I want you to set your mind and I want you to say to yourself right now, inside your own thoughts, in your emotions. Say, God, I thank you that today I'm going to walk out of here even more free than I've ever been before. And you're going to expose the strong men that hang around my life, and I'm going to walk tall, I'm going to walk free, and I'm going to live in victory. Can I get an agreement? Amen. Come on. Pastor Steve. Me right now father i thank you that every chain in my life will be exposed and it will be broken and the stronghold and the strong man will be gone and no longer have influence over me come on give the lord a shout of praise Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 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 Now, I know we could go on worshiping for the rest of the morning, uh, but we need to get into the Word. So I'm going to ask you to take a seat, and we're going to keep moving. Praise God. Thank you, guys. Appreciate your help so much. Last week, I preached a message defeating the spirit of offense. How many of you have ever heard the expression lock and load? Do you know where that expression comes from? Uh, Lock and load is a term that has become synonymous with preparing your weapon for battle. The M1 Garand was the standard rifle issued in World War II. It was used in the Korean War and still being used somewhat in the Vietnam War. And according to the M1 uh, Garand manual, loading the clip without first locking the bolt could result in an accidental discharge of a round. And so in that particular gun, while this is not the case with more modern guns, you had to lock the bolt and then load. And it was preparation for combat. It was preparation for entering into battle. And so the soldiers were drilled on this because of the potential haphazard that could take place. Well, that phrase became really popular because of someone who... uh, Both he has become somewhat immortalized, and he's immortalized the phrase, and that is John Wayne in the movie The Sands of Iwo Jima. And uh, he uses that phrase, and in that day it was understood by military people exactly what it meant, lock and load. Well, that's about natural warfare. In spiritual warfare which is even more important to our well-being and the protection of our families and our friends, in spiritual warfare, the standard issue for defeating the spirit of offense is the attitude that says, forgive it and forget it. So in the natural, they were drilled with lock and load, lock and load. We need to be... Equally familiar with the phrase forgive it and forget it. Now, this is last week's sermon, so I'm not going to go over the whole message, but just one bullet point no pun intended, but one bullet point that I want to make is this When you forgive it, it can't live in you, and when you forget it, you can't live in it. Very important. I encourage you, you know, I, I listened to last week's sermon twice this week, and uh, I, that's not uncommon for me to do. Now, I'll spend hours before the Lord, and he'll download stuff to me, and then I come here and I preach it. But I'm going to, in all honesty, both for the preparation of the next sermon and just for my own personal preparation, I will watch that sermon again, and sometimes a second time, even though I had already preached it and spent hours preparing it. And many times, even as I'm listening to it again, the Spirit of God is unfolding and revealing things to me on a personal level, things for me, and uh, just showing me other keys as well. I, not because I preach it. You know, years ago, we would sell the the cassette tapes. Then we would sell the CDs, and um, you know, you after church you could purchase a sermon. All this stuff is free now online. You could watch the video of this whole service. So what I'm going to say has nothing to do with monetary gain whatsoever. I really encourage every one of you to go over this series again and again and again. Because as I sat and watched this for the second time yesterday, I thought to myself, there are so many principles in what God brought out in that message. We really need to hear it. So that's my recommendation. There's no financial gain behind it. It's all free. It's on YouTube. It's on Facebook. And uh, there are copies from last week's notes on the front uh, uh, pew here. And there are also copies for this week's notes. Last week I said that I would reveal the most common root of the spirit of offense. And so today I want to talk to you about the root of offense is rejection. The root of offense is rejection. You can't have An offense without feeling rejected in one way or another, in one area or another. Even if the rejection is to the point of, uh, even if the offense is to the point where someone hasn't done something the way you would have wanted them to do. It comes in a very subtle way as a rejection of your methodology and your opinion, and your form of validation. The root of most offenses are tied to the spirit of rejection. Why am I stressing this? Because rejection is an insidious spirit, and it hides extremely well. I'm going to make a categoric statement right now. And because of what happened soon after creation, the fall of humanity... I'm going to tell you, and I'll prove it to you from a moment in the Scriptures, that rejection is a curse that has come on all of humanity. And most people look at themselves and say, I don't deal with rejection. I don't have any rejection issues. I'm going to say it again. Uh, Everybody has an issue of rejection. In one area or not, it is the most slippery the most insidious, the most deceiving of all spirits, and it will hide. And you'll deal with issues and never realize that the root of that issue really is a form of rejection. And the reason why I want to hone in on this because I want you to be absolutely free from anything and everything that has ever wounded you or harassed you or crippled you or held you back. I want to see each and every one of you come into the fullness of Jesus Christ. And again, that's not a religious saying. That is an actuality that we man up, that we women up, and become full of everything that was in Jesus himself the bible makes it clear that the fullness of god the fullness of the deity was in christ in physical form and the fullness of christ is in us god's great desire is to see every one of us grow into the full stature of jesus christ and i as i shared with you last week Just before Jesus went to the cross, he said, the prince of this world, he's coming for me again. And then he looked at his boys and he said, but I'm going to tell you something, he has nothing in me. Yeah. Now that's a, a hooray, a hallelujah, a shout when we think about that regarding Jesus. But God wants that to be our confession as well. He wants to take us to a place of healing and wholeness where we can finally get to the place and say, hey, the devil is, uh, is roaring and the devil is uh, roaming around, but he has nothing in me. Can I get an amen here this morning? Amen. Praise God. The number one cause of offense is rejection. Rejection Received or perceived. I already talked about that in the last couple of weeks, how rejection can be received and uh, it can be perceived. And perceived rejection is just as real to the individual as received rejection. I don't have time to reiterate last week and the weeks before And if you're new here, I do encourage you, go to Facebook or YouTube, Grace and Faith Church, and you'll see our channel, and you'll be able to hear these messages and let the Spirit of God work deeply in your heart. Proverbs 19, verse 22 says, what a man or what a person desires is unfailing love. What a person desires is unfailing love. Just the first part of that verse. What a person desires is unfailing love. I say it like this. Man's greatest desire, man's greatest desire is unfailing love. And unfailing love is love with no rejection. Unfailing love is love with no rejection and no fear of rejection. You see, if Jesus was approached by a religious young ruler, a young man coming up, he had money, he had reputation, uh, he had power. And he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, well, have you obeyed the commands? He says, I've done them from my childhood. And uh, Jesus talked to him about, you need to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all your mind, and all of your strength." That's something every one of us need to foster and to generate a love and a passion For the things of God and for God himself. And then he went on and he said, And love your neighbor as yourself. All of life can be summed up about relationship. Everything in the word of God is summed up in relationship. The Bible, Jesus also said that all of the law and all of the prophets testify of this. That you should love God with all your heart, love your neighbor as yourself. If all of life, if the mechanics of life, if the major gear of human existence comes back to relationship, then the one thing that will set the mechanism busted and out into orbit is rejection. If all of life is centered around relationship and loving yourself, loving God, and loving one another, the one thing that will wreck everything is introducing the spirit of rejection. Man's greatest desire is unfailing love, and unfailing love is love with no rejection. Look, when God first created the earth, Lucifer had already fallen, become this despicable, twisted being. God pre-warned Adam that there would be a challenge for his position. These are things that uh, we, we look into in Bible school. It's so vivid. It's written there. It's hidden. And yet, once you see it in the Hebrew, it is so obvious that God had given Adam full preparation for the attack that was about to come. But here, this fallen creature sets about to do one thing, and that is to misrepresent God in the eyes of Adam and Eve. And he set about not just to misrepresent God, but to represent God as if God had rejected them. Sometimes religion is very successful at conveying that. And yet, God wants to strongly convey how much he loves us and cares about us. Can I get an agreement? You see, at the fall, Adam and Eve were seduced by Satan to believe that God was withholding something good from them. The enemy came to them and said, Is it true that you can't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? There was one tree and only one tree. That they couldn't touch. God had given them this complete paradise and said, enjoy it. Be fruitful. Multiply. Eat as much as you want. I created this for you. I want you to rule it. I want you to have authority. I want you to have governance. I want you to be in control. And so Lucifer comes and he says, is it true? This one tree you can't touch. And uh, they said, yes, the day we eat of that tree, we would die. And Lucifer says, you're not going to die. God knows something you don't know. God knows that if you eat of it, you'll be like God and your eyes will open. Lucifer wanted to be like God. And that was his fall. And then he thought he was bigger than God and better than God. And so he comes and he appeals to their emotions and he brings the first occasion for an offense, and that offense is rooted in a sense of rejection. God is withholding something from you because he doesn't want you to be like him. Isn't it amazing? Jesus Christ became one of us, and he became like us so that we could become like him. And here the devil's selling a bill of goods that God doesn't want you to be like him. There's nothing more that a good father or a good mother wants than to see their kids grow up in a similar image, if not a better image. Can I get an amen from everyone here? Absolutely. And the very bill of goods that Satan was trying to sell to Adam and Eve was an image that would present God in a light that was completely untrue, but worse than that, present God in a light where he would appear as if he was rejecting Adam and Eve. God doesn't want you to be like him. I want to tell you the greatest hope, the greatest joy in God's heart is for each and every one of us to rise up and grow up into the fullness of who Jesus Christ is. He wants you to be a spiritual giant. He wants you to have the backbone of the word of God and the faith of Jesus Christ. He wants you to be able to be a mountain destroyer and a water walker. Hallelujah. Come on, can I get an agreement here this morning? God wants his sons and daughters to rise up and be full of his spirit and his likeness. What's made the whole world go wrong is that we've become full of a different likeness. But right from the get-go, what Lucifer, what Satan was trying to do was to get them from their perspective to see God In a wrong light, and to make them perceive that God had rejected them. Their perception of rejection, their offense, caused them to judge God falsely. That false judgment against the character of God became the curse that brought about their separation from God. Look at the irony of that. How they falsely judge God from a perception, an incorrect perception. Can you see the very first offense was tied to the emotion of rejection? And it'll work that way every time. And their perception of God, what they chose to believe and conclude in their heart, became the very curse that in the end brought about their separation from God. Isn't it true in your life, isn't it true in my life, that when we have a picture that God is going to be really angry at us because we messed up, we screwed up, that that judgment that we've made of God is the very thing that curses us and causes us to go far from him. Isn't that the truth? Come on, absolutely uh, that is the truth people don't realize that their perception of rejection from a fellow human being this isn't just how it works between us and god this is how it works between a husband and a wife this is how it works between two people who were good friends and what we often don't realize is that our perception of rejection from a fellow human being often becomes the basis of a false judgment about that person. If I perceive that you're rejecting me, Lynn, and you're not really rejecting me, together with that perception, I'm also making a judgment about your character. Here's the problem. That false judgment you made on someone's character Brings back on you the curse of what you falsely misjudged them for. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 to 2, Jesus said, Don't judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way that you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, in Western civilization, in Western society, in Western thinking, we read this, and what we read is correct. What we interpret is correct. And this is how we translate that and understand that. And that is this. That if I don't show kindness to you, and when I'm making an assessment about you, and I judge you harshly, and there's no grace, then whenever I'm in a situation, God will make sure that there's very little grace meted out to me as well. Well, that's true. What you sow, you will reap, okay? And so the best way to get mercy in the courts of heaven is to give mercy on earth, in your day-to-day life. Hello, are you with me? Amen. So this is how we read it, and it's true. But there's also another interpretation to this which goes even deeper, and that is what you judge somebody else of, the spirit behind that judgment that came out of you, will set up circumstances and put you in the same scenario and cause you to fall in the same way. And how you judge them, it comes upon you and you fall and you will receive the curse of your judgment. That is powerful. Can I get an agreement? That is powerful. You say, well, pastor, why would you tell us this? I, you, you know, I, I feel like you're telling me bad news. No, I want to make you aware of spiritual principles. Here, I'll give you a really obvious one. Jump off a hundred foot building and you will get hurt. Now, would you rather that I don't tell you that, or would you rather that somewhere in life you learned things like that? You see, we, we reveal principles like this so that we can understand the dynamics of the spirit world. And that devil knows how to play you. He knew how to play Adam and Eve. He got in that garden and he danced and he sang to them and he convinced them that God was holding back something because God didn't want them to be like him. Amazing. If all of life is about relationship, if God says that all of the Lord, all the prophets are fulfilled in this, truth, love God with all your heart and love yourself and love your neighbor as yourself, then the enemy understood in the middle of that garden of paradise, the spanner in the works would be to introduce a judgment on God's character where man believed that God was rejecting him. The root of every offense is the spirit of rejection. And if you analyze the things that you're offended of or by, not only, like Judas, we saw he was offended because of this woman's generosity and he was a miserly, greedy, coveting person. But underneath that layer, what's not as obvious is a fear of rejection that God won't bless me as much as she's blessed. Rejection will always hide under the layer of disposable spirits. For example, for years I struggled with fear and inferiority. The age of 14, I had to get set free from a spirit of fear. If I had to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, I'd turn on every light in the house that looked like a Christmas tree. It looked like the Scarallo residence was throwing a party. Fear is never logical. And uh, (laughs) I couldn't go to the bathroom and sit down. You don't have to develop the image, but you know what I'm talking about. And I was afraid that somebody was down there and they would suck me in. Now, I said fear is never logical who in their right mind would want to be in the bottom of my toilet? <laughs> and who in their right mind could even believe that somebody would fit in there? Fear knows no, no, no logic because it's a spirit. See, God is very logical because where there's order, you have a logical process. Where you have confusion... There is no logical process. The kingdom of darkness is a kingdom of confusion. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of order. Can I get agreement here this morning? Amen. And so the enemy knew, my goodness, if all of life is about relationship, the best way to wreck this whole thing is to put a judgment in Adam and Eve's mind that God is rejecting them. And they took offense They believed this judgment that they came to and believed God was rejecting them and it brought about their own separation from God. So the point is, folks, that if we perceive that someone is rejecting us, how we judge another person on any area of life, how we judge them, judge not. Because that thing, that spirit of judgment That's why I love the spirit of grace because if it's going to come back to me, I'm going to be showered in grace. But if I release a spirit of judgment, it's going to come back and the judgment will be on me. But as I said, the other side of this verse is that what you have judged another person of, you will be tested in the same arena and that spirit will set up the circumstances and he'll set up the fall. And then you become the recipient of the judgment you meted out. See, the devil understands these spiritual principles and then he plays us and puts us in positions of difficulty. He puts us in scenarios that are set up to destroy us. And you and I have to understand spiritual principles so that we will not be outsmarted or outwitted by the enemy, but that we will see the laws of the realm of the Spirit and say, devil, I know what you're up to. Shut up and get out of here. You don't belong here. You have no right talking to me. I am a child of the Most High, and I am not going to contradict the Word of God. The Word of God says don't make a judgment. You've gone really quiet. But I am not going to make a judgment and say you're disagreeing with me. (laughs) I rebuke the spirit of rejection. I I, I know that these things sometimes make us think deeply. and, And we start to see things in our lives. And I pray that even right now, where the enemy has been covered up in areas of your life, that those covers come off. I don't want anyone else to see it. I want you to be able to see it. Because I want you to see your enemy and I want you to rip him from limb to limb in the name of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? So not only... Will we be judged in the same way with the same measure that we uh, use to judge others? What we judge someone else on, the demons will set us up. I wrote this here. The judgment you're quick to make is the judgment that will be quick to come back and set you up. The judgment that we're quick to make is the judgment that's quick to come back and set us up. The curse of rejection, I said, is on everybody. Everyone deals with an issue of rejection and most people, I am sure, even as I'm saying that, you're probably sitting there thinking, I don't have any rejection because it is one of the best kept secrets in the demonic world. I'm going to show you something else from scripture to prove my point. If we were to turn to Isaiah chapter 53, in chapter 53, the prophet Isaiah starts to prophesy about the Messiah. And he's not talking about his kingdom and how he'll sit on this throne. No, in fact, Isaiah 53 is the forbidden chapter in Israel. Jewish people are forbidden by their rabbis to read chapter 53. Yeah. Because it reveals what the Messiah came to do. And instead of being a stately king sitting on a throne, he becomes the humbled servant who dies on a cross. And uh, in, in chapter 53, Isaiah, the prophet, spells it all out. But it starts with this. He grew up before him, before God, like a tender shoot, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. God caused his son to be born into a desert, sterile environment and made everything about him so that there would be nothing that in the natural that would draw us to him. You know why? He sent his son to start carrying the very first curse that came on humanity and that is the curse of rejection at the moment of the fall in the garden of eden sin separated god and man and every one of us were created we are destined we're wired to have relationship with our creator and so there is something that is lacking and missing in every one of us from the moment we're born And so this this shroud of rejection hovers over all of humanity. Every baby born into the world is immediately covered with this covering of rejection. It is separated from its creator. But God sent his son in an environment of rejection. He came rejected like a root out of a dry ground. He had no beauty, no majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. Let's go to the next scripture. Verse three. Well, verse three says he was despised and rejected by mankind a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Everything about the coming of Jesus Christ was shrouded in the covering and the spirit of rejection because he came to be The curse. And from the moment he was born, he was already taking on himself the curse of humanity. He became the curse so that you and I could be curse free. Hallelujah. Amen. Absolutely. And so if you continue reading through Isaiah 53, it talks about surely he took on our pain, he bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken and afflicted. He was pierced for our sins, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed we all like sheep have gone astray. Each one has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. It goes on to talk about how he suffered and was crucified and was uh, because of our sin. But the very first curse that Jesus deals with is the curse of rejection. He became rejected. It never ceases to amaze me that God designed that even his birth would be so miraculous that it was doubtful. I mean, here's Joseph and Mary and their betrothed. And she's pregnant. Uh huh. Come on. Most people in that day would have questioned whether this child was born outside of wedlock. They would question who his father really was. And at times that innuendo comes up in the gospel surrounding Jesus. And while we needed a miraculous birth, we needed someone who was. Not, who did not have sinful nature imputed into them through the coming together of the seed of a man and a woman, while we needed someone who wasn't tainted with sin, there was a dual purpose, and that was that Jesus' birth was shrouded in controversy. Jesus' birth was shrouded in doubt and questions, and from the moment of his conception, there was a qu- question in people's minds. And that question, he was brooding in his mother's womb, and outside was an atmosphere of speculation and rejection. God had to send an angel to Joseph and speak to Joseph, because even Joseph wasn't too sure about all of this. You see, the one who comes to set us free from the curse of life came and took on the very first curse that has touched every one of us and that's the curse of rejection. I thank God that he became rejected so that you and I can be forever accepted in the eyes of God. Come on, isn't that good news? He was rejected so you could be accepted. Hallelujah. As I close this morning, I want to give you a statement that I think is very, very powerful, and I want you to understand this. Not only is it very powerful for you to know and understand that somewhere hidden in your emotions there are issues of rejection, And it's probably hiding under the layer of one or two other demons. I started to tell you that I was delivered from a spirit of fear at the age of 14. And inferiority, those two were very obvious. I knew they were there. But here I was, 34, overseeing 12 churches, an up-and-coming preacher in the movement that I was in in Australia. And I was away at a conference and I got caught up in a vision, and I saw, literally, I, I'm watching a movie screen in front of me. And I am so caught up in the movie, emotionally I'm connected, and I see the serpent trying to bite me. It's a viper. And I see this arm come out of heaven with a sword, and I'm crying. I am physically crying as I'm watching this vision. I, I am not aware of anybody around me. I am in this vision. I'm living it. And in the vision, God says, that's the spirit of rejection. You knew you had a spirit of fear. You knew you had a spirit of, infirmity, uh, uh, of inferiority. But those two were there because rejection brought them in. Okay? Last week, I touched on really quickly how perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love is the lack of rejection. And you can't have fear unless there's an issue of rejection. Okay, if you struggle with fear or inferiority, I assure you that hiding under the covers is this strong man called rejection, and he will make you hear things through the ears of rejection. He will make you feel things from other people through the emotion of rejection, and you'll swear, no, it's real. No, I saw the look in their eyes. No, I know what they were talking about. They were rejecting me. You will see through the eyes of rejection you will hear through the ears of rejection you will feel through the emotions of rejection and perceived rejection is as real to that individual as if rejection was actually received recognize the stronghold so that you can demolish the strong man amen absolutely so here's this saying your continued perception of rejection will become your invitation to be rejected. As we continue to move forward and perceive that people are rejecting us, if it is not true, but we live in that perception and we don't attack it, we don't pull it down, we don't destroy it, That perception of rejection creates the invitation of the very rejection we're judging another person is having towards us. Is that powerful? It's very powerful. And I'm telling you from personal experience, the things I've had to learn the hard way And I've realized that the devil talks to me more than I talk to me. I talk to me a lot, but the devil tries to talk to me and he will set me up and make me make a judgment that somebody is rejecting me when it's not there. Now I'm going to tell you, this is real because the Bible says it's real. And you know how I know that? Jesus addressed this in Matthew chapter 5. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, If you're offering your gift at the altar, and there you remember your brother or your sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar, and first go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Now, I want you to see the context of this. He says, if you're about to offer your gift at the altar, and you remember your brother has something against you, you know what that covers? That covers perceived offense and received offense. If I know from factual interaction with you that there's a problem between you and me and you have something against me, I have an obligation that before I come before God, I gotta come before you. Relationship is everything to God. But this also covers perception. If I am at the altar and I perceive that Bonnie doesn't like me, God leaves me no wiggle room. You know why God will leave you no wiggle room? Because he doesn't want the enemy to have any room in you. And so the word of God says, no, as right as you think you are, and oh, well, that's Bonnie's issue. She's got a problem. I just know she doesn't like me. The Bible puts a constraint on me to be a peacemaker and go to her. And the moment I go to her, if I go to her and say, look, I I believe that you feel this way and this way, I give her the opportunity to come out from under a judgment I made about her character and personality. When we live in the realm of perception, we are often living in the realm of false judgments against our brothers and our sisters and sometimes our enemies. And sometimes those people don't need to be enemies. We perceive them to have something against us. And God is such a God about uh, about relationship and about being a peacemaker. He puts the onus on you, not on them. He does say in another passage, if you have something against your brother and you're at the altar, go to them. But he also covers the back end and says, if they have something against you, that leaves you open to whether it's factual or whether it's just perceived. Every perceived judgment that we hold in our heart Is a potential false judgment against another person, and that opens a door to our lives being cursed by the demonic realm. When we go to that person that we've perceived rejection from, or whatever you think is going on, you give them the opportunity to either say, You're right, I'm sorry. You've given them a doorway to repentance. And if it's a perception, you've given them the opportunity to step out from under a false judgment. You know what the devil is? He's the accuser of the brethren. And he doesn't just accuse us to God. He accuses you to me in my head and tells me you're thinking bad things about me. Now, that's not the case, okay? just in case you make a judgment now and think I've got a judgment against you. Uh, but, but that's how the enemy works. He's a divider. And he works in, in, in the mastery of deception. And he's got us fighting fights that don't need to be fought. But do you know today in the church, we don't preach this stuff. And, and pastors won't require this. In fact, you can conveniently go to a megachurch, and nobody will even know if you've got an issue with a person who sits three chairs away from you. And if you do need counseling, they'll recommend a good psychologist that you could go to that tends to be a Christian psychologist. Just come to church, do your due diligence so that you feel like you've done your Christian duty, and pay your tithes. And sometimes it just becomes another form of indulgence paying indulgences. We got reformed from that. No, the reality of the church is that God wanted to set up shepherds who have interaction and relationship with the sheep and hold them accountable to truth because the truth will always set us free. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. Good preaching, Pastor Ron. You see, if you want to grow a mega church, don't get in people's space. I have an obligation before God. And it's not to get you to like me. It's to get you to be like him. And a real shepherd will do that. I'm not trying to exalt myself. I'm just telling you, please, I believe we're in the last of the last days. And you can find a lot of convenient places to hide. But the safest place to be is where there's the love of a shepherd who will always take you to the word of God. That's the safest place. Absolutely. Absolutely. Was this good preaching? Yeah. I want you to remember Rejection is behind many things. Open your eyes to that possibility and ask the Holy Spirit, is it just fear? Is it just inferiority? Why do I feel intimidated? Why do I feel offended? Is it just uh, they said something offensive? Is there an issue of rejection here? Go deeper. Clean the wound out to the very source. You know, when a wound becomes infected, usually it's not just one type of infection. There are multiple types of bacteria that got in there to infect it. And when we get wounded emotionally a good strong wound from demonic perception is made up of numerous strands. A three-stranded cord is not easily broken. And so if the enemy wants to put a stronghold in your life It just won't be the obvious thing. Usually the obvious thing on the surface that you can easily see is the thing that's dispensable. It's disposable. But the root never got touched and the root will just bring it back again. And we want to go to the root. And we want to root out everything, every root of bitterness that will cause us to take offense. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? Can I tell you something very personal and very, very honest? I do this because I really love you. I care about God's kids. I may not know you. I realize there's a young man. I don't know you probably never spoke to you before. But God has put in every shepherd a heart that loves his church. You're the church. And while I could say the things that make me popular, I want to say the things that will make you whole. I want to say the things that will make you healed. I want to say the things that will set you free. I want to open your eyes. I understand, and I hope you understand, that when I preach like this, strongholds that are guarding areas in your life, they hold an area in your life, as I preach like this, I'm hitting them. And those things will start to be angry at me because I'm uncovering them. And the reality is, most people don't, Understand the spiritual principle, and they'll just feel agitated with the church or agitated with the preacher. And sometimes they might leave. So, if all you want to do is build a mega church, don't preach this kind of stuff. But if you want to make the church of Jesus Christ, which are individuals, if you want to make them mega, then preach this stuff. Amen. Amen. So, honestly, you know, I spend time praying and I say, God, help me to put the words together in a way that your people will hear and see. And then after he's helped me craft a message, I pray then a whole different prayer. And I spend time, Holy Spirit, my words are just, are just words. I'm asking you now to take the thoughts that God has put in my heart and as I speak, help people see the things in them that have been blind spots. Let them see the great love of God and let them see how the enemy wants to take them down. Uncover, uncover strongholds, wounds, so that The bride of your son can look her most beautiful when your son returns for that wedding day. So I can honestly say, whether I know your first name or have relationship with you or not, God puts in the heart of a shepherd a genuine love for the people who will hear the sound of his voice. I pray above everything not that you take offense and not that you think I'm number one. Please don't. You'll be disappointed. I pray above everything that you will get healed, set free, and walk in the fullness of the Spirit of Jesus Christ and grow into the fullness of Him. I want you to be a roaring lion just like the lion of the tribe of Judah. If you agree, can we give the Lord a praise offering? Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, Father, as we close this morning, I know in my heart, I'm not trying to convey condemnation. No, I'm trying to help people come out from under the devil's dirty traps. I rebuke the spirit of offense. I rebuke the spirit of rejection. I rebuke those voices and emotions that cause people to hear what those demons want to hear. No, I rebuke that over this heart, And the mind and the emotions of everyone who hears this word, whether it's today or five years down the road on social media, in Jesus' name, I rebuke the strong man. I rebuke the stronghold. And by the blood of Jesus Christ, we speak deliverance and liberty and healing and wholeness to the sons of God. We declare, let my people go. Just like Moses of old, just like Jesus of the new covenant, we declare the sons of God to be free by the word and the blood of Jesus Christ. I thank you, Holy Ghost that you can take this message and make it so personal to each person. And I trust you to do that. I thank you that you will uncover all the things that need to be uncovered and that God's family will receive it, accept it, and be made whole in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Before we go, I said all of life's about relationship. God wants to have relationship with you. If you have never asked Jesus Christ into your heart, listen, this isn't about following a rule book of do's and don'ts. This is about God really wants to have intimate relationship with you. It's not religion. My church can't take you to heaven, but my Jesus can. Amen. Amen. Maybe you've been very religious. Maybe you've grown up in the church. Maybe you think just being born in a church or a part of a church is enough. Maybe you think you'll never be good enough. No, we probably won't, but he's good enough. He's good enough to accept me exactly how I am. He's good enough to accept you exactly how you are. So whether you're in this physical room right now or you're watching via social media, if you've never asked Jesus Christ into your heart, while every eye is closed come on i'm talking to you the spirit of god is talking to you god wants to have relationship if you've never asked jesus in your heart raise your hand right now and say i want to do that i want him i want to receive his acceptance and his love i want him to come into my life and live in me don't be afraid if you're in your living room That's right. You might be there alone. You might be there with your family. Raise your hand. Say to God, I'm not ashamed to say yes. I want everyone to repeat this prayer after me. This is a prayer of accepting God's love and asking Jesus to come into our heart. Dear God, God. I believe you love me. And today I receive that love. Jesus Christ, I welcome you. Come into my life. Invade my life. Take control of my life. I've made mistakes and I've sinned. But I come to you, Jesus, and I ask you to be the leading guide of my life be my lord your god i bow to you and i thank you jesus for accepting me and forgiving me now come and live with me thank you thank you father amen amen Come on, let's give the Lord a round of applause. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Sometimes rejection is real. People reject us. Sometimes it's perceived. It doesn't matter what football field he wants to play on. The rules of the game are still the same. I find the ability to forgive others because I think of how perfect God is. He should be the most intolerant of all of us, and he's the most accepting. And if he can love me and forgive me for all of my mistakes, and who am I to look at another fellow human being Subject to as many wounds and brokenness as I have been. Who am I to say, no, I can't forgive you? You see, forgiveness is more about what you'll receive from God than what the other person will receive from God. Sometimes the other person that you're forgiving isn't even tuned in to God. It doesn't matter. As you forgive them, you receive the healing And the closure of the wound. And you will be able to say, the prince of this world has nothing in me. Amen. Amen. Hey, make sure before you go, you give half a dozen people an air hug, a high five in the air. (laughs) Uh, Tithes and offerings. Church, I encourage you, if you haven't tithed already, Uh, Continue with us in tithing and offering. I know COVID has changed a lot of dynamics, but the Word of God still remains the Word of God. Let's bring our tithes and offerings to the Lord. Uh, There are baskets up the back. There are envelopes behind the chairs. You can give through text. You can give online. Uh, If you grab a newsletter, all the different ways of giving are posted there. Guys, have an awesome day. God bless you. Have a great day. Have an incredible week. And may the blessings of God be on each and every one of you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless. Copies of the notes are available on the front last week and this week if you didn't get last week's notes. Well, hang on, before you make that announcement, no, 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 let me clarify something. Because I just told Brian and Tina that today we're celebrating my grandson's birthday, and we are. What I didn't tell you, and what he's about to tell the whole church, yeah, I do. And if you don't, I'll feel rejected. (laughs) So it is my grandson's birthday, and we're celebrating that today, But today's the 26th, and yes, it is my birthday.
1: Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. you. Happy birthday to Rob. Happy birthday to you. you. We love you, Pastor Rob.
0: Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh,
1: sorry, I didn't prepare a speech or anything like that, but I do want to say that a birthday is a great time to honor and, and to pay respect to somebody. Uh, so God. I just want to real quick say that, Pastor Rob, uh, every year that you gain, you gain a year of, of extra knowledge and wisdom. And we're blessed that we get to Thank take you. advantage and be imparted with every bit of your, of your wisdom and your knowledge of the word. We
0: appreciate you.
1: We all
0: love Thank you. you and I'm saying this to everybody. We respect you. Thank you.
1: Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. And looking forward to worshiping we'll all know you do
0: next too. Amen. See you next Sunday. <laughs>